If you're scared to ask for money, you'll never make money in real estate, period. I have now done over $100 million in real estate transactions over the last 10 years and counting, going from a real teen mom with one daughter at the time, wholesaling and door knocking residential pre-foreclosure properties, to now national real estate investor with five children and four businesses, buying and selling residential and commercial properties. And I want you to do the same. So let's do it. Before we get started, I want you guys to go register now for the free webinar training on this topic. Go to bit.ly slash creative financing webinar to register now. That's bit.ly slash creative financing webinar. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Realty Talks with Taiyi podcast show. I am your host, Taiyi. That's T-I-Y-E. And today I'm super excited to be talking to you guys about how to collect information from sellers that allows you to collect checks as an investor. So first off, before we get into kind of the meat and bones or meat and potatoes of today's episode, I just wanted to address a question that I see asked so frequently all the time by working moms. Like this is something that we talk about all the time because the juggle is real. We all know that and can bear witness to that, that especially with this social distancing, everything is still kind of day to day for a lot of people. And the question becomes for a lot of people, especially moms, is that they're really struggling to handle business with their kids at home. And they're looking for tips and tricks on how to better manage that dynamic of being a work from home mom, but now also school mom and wife or spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever the situation may be, they are juggling more than one thing and struggling to really figure out how can we better maximize our time and systemize our day so that it has a structure allowing us to still be productive. Now, for those of you who don't know, my children, I have five children and they are ages 10, or no, sorry, he is 11 months officially, yay! Baby Ra is officially 11 months old as of a couple days ago, and then my oldest is nine years old. So I would highly suggest if your children are two and under that something you can do that has helped me as well and my husband to manage is to really put the, if they're two and under, put them in a playpen, right? And then roll it into this whole sauna that you want to create in a bathroom, preferably, okay? Ideally, you wanna create this sauna-like environment for them in a bathroom that smells like lavender or really any essential oil will work. But if you basically allow the bathroom five minutes of steam time with the fragrance of the essential oil just dropping a few drops into the shower area, and then rolling that playpen in, putting the little person in there that is two years old or younger and turning on some soft, like calming music, they, let me tell you guys, will be out, okay? At least for maybe two hours. In my experience, it actually has been longer. So you don't leave them steaming until obviously it's uncomfortable or very concerning 
or unsupervised, right? No, you're very close proximity to them. You let it pre-steam for about five minutes and then you put them in there and let them steam for five to 10 minutes while you're close nearby monitoring, but ideally not in there so that they can see you and kind of cause a ruckus. And then once you hear that they've fallen asleep, then you go in, you turn off your shower, turn off the lights and let your work time begin, right? So while they are doing that, then you wanna rush downstairs, put the children that are maybe two to four years old on maybe like potty time, right? Set them up with a mini office in the bathroom while they're sitting on the potty and they will definitely want to be there if you create the atmosphere of their own kind of mini office, but it's just in the bathroom so that again, they are out of sight, but not out of mind and they're not too far. If you set them up like that with like a little computer or their toys or their favorite books, whatever it is that keeps them cozy, including some snacks if you have to really bribe them, (laughs) then it's okay to do that because then they're cozy and they're feeling quote unquote like you, right? And they're they're then inspired to really stay there. For the ages of like five to 10, you have to get a little bit more creative because they do get a little bit more uh, antsy quicker. And so for five to 10 ages, I would say give them maybe one hour of your time in increments from homeschooling and then supplement it with some virtual learning time to really keep them occupied for at least two hour increments, right? So once they get a solid hour of your time, they should be good. They're not vying for your attention 24 seven, at least if they're like mine. They're, they're not, okay? If you give them that solid quality time uh, sporadically throughout the day, but structured in your day, right? And supplement it with that virtual learning, they're good, right? And then you also wanna make sure that you're giving them at least 30 minutes to an hour of playtime or free outdoor time to play in a very close front or backyard if you have access to one. Uh, maybe for every three hours of learning or education time, you wanna really give them that exertion time to get that energy out. And I do this daily with my five children I homeschool while working from home and can still manage to get maybe four to six hours of work done every single day without depriving the little ones of their mommy and me time. And I even reserve two hours of quote unquote date with daddy time for me and my husband each night. So I really hope that this helps and encourages you that it is possible once it becomes routine. But you, my friends, can definitely, definitely do it, okay? So with that said, I'm gonna assume your time is super valuable and I'm gonna get into today's lesson on how to collect information from sellers that allows you to collect checks as an investor, okay? Now, I'd like to first start off with an overview and really some like high-level basic um, objectives of what it is you're actually going for, what it is that your goal should actually be in this process of kind of lead generation and starting to get leads from sellers, especially if you're a real estate investor and entrepreneur, right? Just so that we can focus your attention and you can really get more out of this material that I wanna give you guys today. So as you know, basically, Every phase of the real estate um, cycle is divided up anywhere from lead generation, marketing, uh, acquisition, sales, appraisal, deal analysis, and business processes, right? All of those things are different and they have their own lane. So this that I'm talking about today is a very specific stage that you will go through oftentimes when you're looking at real estate leads and properties, 
Okay, and so your job becomes to learn really how to collect information that is actually valuable to contribute towards moving the needle closer to you identifying if that lead is a good deal or even solid prospect. And then how to decipher what information from your initial conversation is actually important. And then once you do that, it's like, now what? Well, of course you would need to know how then to manage that information so that you become profitable and get deals not only signed, but actually closed, okay? So just just for a second, let's imagine, right? Like imagine with me that you have some type of advertising or marketing budget more so, right? Even if it's super bare minimum, like maybe let's say $50 a month and you have some direct mail campaigns going a very small scale or you have even some do-it-yourself DIY bandit sign campaigns that are out there in the marketplace or maybe you also are generating leads online by social networking and sellers are now actually starting to pick up the phone and calling you. Like that's amazing. That's what so many people vie for so much of their time, energy, and effort to do is to get their phone ringing with motivated sellers. So then you, as an investor, have to then be able to collect information from the sellers about the property itself and about their situation in order to really be able then to start grading, right? Grade, we're familiar with grades. You definitely need to start at that point grading those leads and figuring out if this is something you should be actually spending more of your valuable time on or is this a lead on a property from a seller that is just not motivated, Okay, you have to be able to determine that and know what information triggers that. And we have a system in our office as a process for collecting this type of information. And I definitely want to teach it to you guys about how to be very efficient in that process, because the goal is really to start getting multiple seller leads each week and each month, day in and day out, and really have a lot of opportunities to look at. And that way you can really start focusing in on the opportunities that have more potential, that are essentially worth your time, okay? Then we end this phase, at least in my office and company culture, once we've collected this information from the sellers, we then create a property record, okay? So that now, not only have we collected all this information, but now we're really managing the leads that are coming in and they're coming in more consistently. So the process starts with maybe a seller picking up the phone and calling us and us taking that information, right? And then we start building rapport and trust with the seller instantly over the phone. And then we start to grade or evaluate that lead. And then finally, we are creating a record of that lead in a leads management system, okay? So the real whole objective here or the goal of all of this is if we wanted to look at some of the basics, those would be maybe off the top of my head first um, that I can think of is we want to learn and identify really that key data 
and essential information that you must collect from a seller in order to use it to perform what is called your ARV or your after repair value appraisal. Basically, in short, you need information, enough information of the right information to be able to create an initial value for that property of the lead that's calling in, giving you this information, okay? And there are certain questions that we want to ask. And believe me, there are many questions that you could focus on and ask, and you could be on the phone with a seller for hours, but we're going to really focus right now, at least in this conversation, on the key information that you need to gather first so that you avoid those hours of wasted time on the phone with the seller that in essence is just not motivated or not motivated enough maybe to sell at the right price that you need to get it at. Okay, so the second thing we're going to talk about is really about going in deeper uh, so that I can teach you guys how to accurately fill out these lead sheets. Okay, like you have to have a lead sheet. Is it like a script is usually what people ask. And the question, the answer to that question is yes. Yes, absolutely. It is essentially just a one page sheet that is uh, have many of the important questions and kind of these pieces of information that you want to collect to keep you guided, not robotic and choppy sounded, but really guided in your conversation as you are questioning or interviewing your leads, okay? It's basically like a combination between a script and an information sheet. And you need to have one of those. And more importantly, you need to practice with one of those on really how to use it and then understand how to also accurately fill it out. Okay, so the next thing is I'm going to introduce you um, to and want you to be able to recognize is really these key phrases that allow you to build trust and rapport with sellers because that in and of itself, building trust and rapport with the seller is very important and it could be the make or break of your deal. So I will devote a whole episode to that because it is that important. But for now, I'm just going to be very general so you guys can kind of start to get that the deal of, of how important it is and why it's so important, okay? Because when you're talking to a seller, on the phone, they're looking, believe me, for a solution. And if they trust you, they will wait for you a lot of the times to actually make an offer. Like how powerful is that? They're actually waiting for your callback in order for you to make them an offer rather than start calling other people for other solutions because they already developed that rapport with you. So if you're doing a good job of this initial kind of uh, preliminary collection of information, they're going to wait for you to come meet with them um, usually before they actually start reaching out to other investors, companies, or realtors, and that is the goal. Okay, that's not going to be the case in every situation. Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. But the better off you are at actually building trust and rapport, the less competition you'll actually have on these leads that you're starting to receive. Okay, and then also we're going to really want to hone in on learning how to categorize leads and start making judgments about the quality 
of that lead that you're spending time on. Because as an investor, an entrepreneur, business owner of any type, the most and biggest important commodity that you have is your time, bar none. Okay, so this step is crucial. It's important because I see a lot of investors very early on in their investment careers wasting time on leads that have very little potential. Okay, so we only have so much time in the day, even now, so more so, right? So you have to be strategic with your time. And I'm going to show you how to start making judgments and grading those leads. Okay, and then finally, I really want you guys to be able to identify different lead man management systems that you can utilize to help systemize and structure your efforts so that it duplicates yourself. It systemizes it or puts it in a process that can be repeated just like a robot. Okay, now in my office, I do have one in particular that we point to and use, but there are many different ways that you can actually start managing your leads. And that's all going to be dependent on the volume of leads that you get. Okay, so that's just like a super high overview and some of the basic learning objectives that I have for you guys this week. And I challenge you to implement. Okay. That's important, okay? So number one, just to recap, get a lead sheet. Create a lead sheet, even if you don't know all the questions to ask, some basic information about their contact information, how they heard from you, property information about the specifics or the logistics of the property, bed, bath, count, square footage, things like that. You wanna also have a section for motivation. Why are they encouraged and motivated to sell so that you can really grade them like we talked about. Another section for kind of creative financing to see if there's equity or an opportunity to structure the deal in a way that you have to pay little to no money down to acquire or own essentially that property or even control it for a very nominal amount, usually as low as $10, ideally around $500. You can create and control a contractual obligation with the seller so that you can buy the property with only that minimum investment. How cool is that? So is that important to have on your lead sheet? Absolutely. How to know what to ask and do not forget as a golden rule to include if they're open to some form of creative financing, either A, because uh, they're, they're that motivated to do so, or B, because uh, if they don't have significant or huge equity in the property, then their motivation more so becomes because of the fact that they have good financing in place. The terms of their existing mortgage are good, and you don't want to bypass an opportunity to take over that payment. And then you want to really conclude your lead sheet with questions more so along the lines of scheduling, the goal being to schedule that lead to have a next step of property inspection. And in that interim of time, you're using that information you collect to determine and grade if that lead is actually worth going to a property inspection to visually see or having someone to go on your behalf to inspect and photo the property. Okay, and we'll talk about that later, but that is kind of the trajectory or that is kind of the framework that I want you guys to operate in and develop a lead sheet, practice it, develop it, change it if needed, and then implement it, try it out, okay? Now, 
you might be thinking like, what should you actually expect when these sellers call you on the phone? Like you get your first call. And I remember when this happened to me, I was super afraid. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a number. It's a East Bay area code. It was the same zip area code, excuse me, as mine. And I was like, oh my God, I think this is one of my leads. And I was actually door knocking 10 years ago with two children in the backseat. I'm like, shoot, how am I going to get these kids quiet? So I end up getting them quiet by bribing them. That's the quickest and fastest remedy as a parent that we actually have as a tool, which is not good to overuse, but I do pull it out of my toolkit when I need it. Okay. I will not lie about that. So I did that. And then I'm like, oh shoot, I don't want to miss this call. I pull over, I answer the phone and I'm like, thank you for calling. My name is Tai and I'm like stumbling over every other word. Don't know my name by this point. I'm freaking out and I'm like trying to maintain composure and professionalism. And it's the sweetest elderly lady on the other end. And from there, the rest was history. And I'll save that story for another time or contact me if you want to know the details. But long story short of it, it became a deal for me, no matter how terrible I sounded, okay? But that doesn't mean negate the fact that you should know what to kind of expect from these leads when they call because if they catch you unprepared, like my husband always says, you have to, you know, stay ready so that you don't have to get ready. If you have your lead sheets on hand, and I encourage you to print them out and carry them everywhere you go religiously, okay? Um, then they're there to serve you so that you are ready when they call and you're not stuttering over your words as much. Okay, now this is really going to vary greatly depending on what type of marketing campaigns you're actually putting out there into the marketplace. You're going to have maybe everything from sellers who want more than their property is worth all the way up to the extremely motivated sellers. So there will be a very wide spectrum of kind of motivation levels from these different sellers that call you and that of course is completely dependent, like I said, on the types of marketing campaigns that you're putting out there. The urgency and scarcity will vary, okay? So I thought it would be a very helpful episode to give you guys this information about what to expect from sellers and what profit opportunities actually exist because you'll then realize that I look at leads not only from an investor viewpoint but I also look at it from are there any other opportunities to earn a profit okay when I get sellers to actually call me or from a realtor standpoint, there are definitely opportunities for this. So if you are licensed, there's going to be two profit opportunities. If you're not licensed, I want you to be aware of really how you could utilize these leads very early on in your career and leverage leads that you don't necessarily buy from the seller. Like how awesome is that, right? Like if you don't buy it from the seller, you still have the opportunity to make a profit legitly off of that seller. Okay, so let's talk about a funnel for a second. Let's imagine that we had 20 leads that came in and let's say we were maybe doing pre-foreclosure direct mail campaigns, which were one of my favorite, absolutely still to this day. And maybe we're even doing some bandit signs and maybe we're doing some free and clear marketing campaigns to people who have no underlying debt or mortgage on the property. And then maybe we have some online leads that we're getting as well a combination of all of those, okay? Now let's imagine a step further that we have 
four blended marketing campaigns that we put out there and we get those 20 phone calls, okay? Now let's take a time period over the course of a month. We get 20 phone calls. Hypothetically, what should we expect? You have to have those expectations and know those numbers, at least your expectation, okay? Because not everybody who calls you is going to be motivated. That's just the harsh reality. Some people are actually going to already have listed their property with an agent and some have unlisted properties. So there are unique opportunities and unique ways to actually leverage these leads. And I really, really, really wanna drive home the importance of why I want you guys to be aware of these types of opportunities very early on before you start actually expanding your marketing beyond where you are now to the next level. Okay, because there are a lot of opportunities to profit you that, you know, may not be aware of, right? They may be foreign to you because that's not what you're accustomed to, you've heard of, or even had the opportunity to yet experience because it's still, you're still very early in your career of real estate. Okay, now, inevitably though, there are going to be a few sellers that are gonna call you with listed properties. This just happened to me the other day. And it may seem like it sucks, right? That Because it means that their property is already on the market right now listed with an agent to sell at an established and agreed upon price with that agent and they're not motivated. And a lot of the times, these sellers are just exploring other options. Okay, so sometimes you'll actually find that there are motivated sellers with a property that is listed. And I'm going to tell you, though, that generally right off the bat, right, you're going to get a handful of calls up to 20 even with sellers who already have listed properties. So there's not necessarily like this window of opportunity to profit as a listing agent in that scenario that just happened to me like a guy in sacramento here california i called him he called me back off of a voicemail drop campaign he's like yes i am actually at that address yes this is me how can i help you i go through my lead sheet i i give him the pitch of my company's description a little bit and then we get into some dialogue and he's like actually when i get to the point about is the property listed with the realtor he's like yes and then i ask more questions to kind of gauge the level of his commitment to that agent not so that i can coach, uh, you know, pry and try and get him to delist with that agent, but more so, so I can see the motivation level. They are directly from his mouth instead of through a third party, like an agent. Okay. Um, because this puts the seller in the hot seat to be rigorously honest, right? And that is what you want. And there are not an opportunity. There's not really this opportunity to profit as an investor in that scenario, because those type of leads really do want close to market value or they even want something even more, which sounds crazy, but they want more than the value for their house, okay? So of the 20 leads that we're talking about, you'll be able to then eliminate a handful right off the bat because why? They're simply not motivated, okay? Now, when you're then going to be going, you know, to have generally, generally speaking, eight unlisted properties, more or less, okay, don't quote me on these numbers, but this is just in my experience, is that you'll have at least eight unlisted properties, more or less, and these numbers are dependent 
on the type of marketing campaign. What did I say before? The type of marketing campaign that you're actually putting out there. So I'm just going to give you a general range so that it makes this information even more impactful as you actually go through it and start to quantify or count your leads as they start to come in as a result of your consistent marketing efforts. Okay, so you'll have unlisted properties, like I said, but you'll have a certain spectrum of those leads where the seller just is not motivated. Like all in all, we have these 20 leads, as I'm saying from my earlier example. Okay, of those 20, 14 of those are where the seller is not motivated whatsoever. Okay, the other six that are remaining are going to be unlisted properties with some seller motivation. And when I say that, that doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, allow you to just buy all six of these properties. No, there's going to be enough motivation is what I mean to be able to want to sell from that seller their property below market value. Now, if we're looking to flip a property and we can only buy it at 10% below market value, that's not a good deal. However, some buyers, okay, ideally cash buyers do operate in certain markets on those thin of profit margins. And I know them. I know them by name. I know them by nature. I know them personally as well as professionally. They exist, okay? But it's not the norm. And that is somebody who is somewhat motivated, okay? So this is, again, the other end of the spectrum where these are the properties we want to focus in on, okay? And these are the properties that you want to spend the majority of your time. So if you think about it from even a time standpoint, okay, we want to eliminate those 14 leads at the top as quickly as possible if there's no little to no motivation. And we really want to spend more of these uh, hours that we have in a day or this time essentially on these six leads, prioritizing and systemizing their follow-up. So we don't treat all leads equally, we just don't. We spend more time actually analyzing and looking at the ones that have a higher probability of being a deal, period. That's a very important thought process before we even get into building trust and rapport with sellers, with talking about taking leads, with things of that nature. Because of those 20 leads that you get, if you were to look at it, I truly, truly believe that there should be two close listings. Okay, what does that mean? That means if you're a realtor, you actually list and sell those properties or or you have somebody in your office to list and sell those properties. And I believe there are two opportunities of every 20 more or less leads that really make great listings with a very motivated seller who's very realistic about the price and just wants to get the property sold, but they're not quality enough for you to buy as an investor. So you take your investor hat off and you put your realtor hat on because for those two out of 20, those two listings should be signed listing agreements by you or someone you refer, okay, that seller lead to a licensed agent, either in your office, in your network, or that you know and trust to facilitate that traditional transaction, okay? So again, of the 20, I also want to go back to real quick, is of those 20, 
I also believe, though, that they're going to be at least one closed deal at least. Okay, this is kind of what like we think about in my office, even if we get 20 leads, we're trying to whittle it down very efficiently to three opportunities out of every 20 that we get or receive inbound. If you're not licensed, those could be listing referrals and anything that is not listed could be a listing referral. And we'll talk about that in later episodes. I'll go more deep on that, okay? But not necessarily in this episode, but there are opportunities um, there that do lie in that realm and you are still able to really leverage those leads. That means you could refer those leads, like I said, to help you build some relationships with some of the top performing listing agents in the area of that subject property. And you can still profit off of those leads in some creative ways, okay? Now, I'm not licensed. So if you, I'm not a licensed real estate agent or broker. I have taken all the tests to be so, but after evaluating and kind of self-reflection, that's just not the waters I wanna chart down because it takes me away from what I ultimately want to actually do. However, if you are motivated by the information, education, or opportunity and just interest, legit interest to be licensed, or if you are licensed, you can get a referral fee from those opportunities that you refer to another agent if you choose not to list them yourself. But remember though, the thing we're focusing the most on is that one deal of the 20 that we're actually going to buy, fix, and sell, or buy and hold. So of 20 leads, you guys, 20 leads, we're narrowing it down to one investment deal, and we're going to look at two or three closed listings that come from it, okay? That then gives you a good, very good sense of what to expect when you have these type of blended marketing campaigns out there and you get 20 leads, Okay. now just a quick story I want to tell you guys about this that really happened in my office within two days. Okay, we like to launch campaigns generally if they're outbound and take a little bit of time to respond on a Monday, like direct mail or phone calls. Not so much text message because people get and see those instantly and can either respond or forget to respond. Right. So if they're direct mails or voicemail drops, we launch those on Monday. We launched a campaign this past Monday. Today is Thursday. On Tuesday, we had 52 responses, 52 responses out of 500 leads that we marketed to in one single campaign. We have six campaigns concurrently running every single month, reoccurring every month all the time in circulation to generate leads consistently and keep our pipelines full and our phones ringing. From this one campaign to 500 leads that were in pre-foreclosure, we got a 10% response rate, more like 12 because we got 52 leads to contact us back. Okay, 52 in one day, one 24 hour period. The next day on on Wednesday, that was Tuesday, we got the 52 total. On Wednesday, we got another seven leads. So by Wednesday in just two days, we had 59 leads out of 500 to respond. That is literally almost unheard of. So what do we say? 
every 20 leads that we're talking about in this example should really factor down to three solid opportunities or deals for you, especially if you're licensed or if you have realtor contacts, if you don't, if you're not licensed, okay? That means one investment deal that you buy and then two listings that you either list yourself or you refer to listings. If you even did that campaign every month on 50 leads, that means that there were double that number, right? Because there's two sets of 20, just some basic math. I know I don't want you guys' brains to work too hard, but just doing some basic math, you guys. 50 leads, that means that there's two sets of 20, right? That means there's double the opportunity that I just talked about. So instead of three opportunities, there you have now created six opportunities to buy and or refer, but six profitable opportunities within 24 to 48 hours from one campaign that cost us, drum roll please, $25, $25 as an investment into that campaign to produce these crazy, crazy good, good, leads, high quality, and ultimately six deals that are now pending. And our average deal, average deal in my market here in California is bringing us a profit of $22,000 and some change. So if you just do the basic math on those, okay, and those are on the investment deal opportunities. It's more like half of that for listing referrals that we do. Um, th that is what the average tends to be. So it's $22,000 per investment deal that we buy, fix, and resell, or that we buy and hold initially that we recoup. So let's do $22,000 times just those two. That's already $44,000 in profit pending to close within less than 30 days. The other opportunities are those four closed listings or listing referrals if you're not licensed with an average profit in my market at least of $12,000 that we make. That's $48,000 in listing um, marketing fees or listing commissions depending on your market and your license status plus $44,000 from investment deal opportunities. That, my friends, is how you create $92,000 in average, almost six-figure incomes in one month. Like, that's crazy off of a $25 investment. Okay, now, I don't want you guys to look at these results as typical. They're not typical. They really come from a lot of experience of handling really successful investment-based systems that allow us to do and fill out those But again, there is more involved, but that is the bare minimum to help you to put into perspective an expectation of why you're going so hard and what number you're actually going for. Aim for the 20 leads because out of that, you create three solid profitable opportunities out of those campaigns and out of those leads. Okay. Now, 
let's talk a little bit just in wrap up about how to practice and really how to get more comfortable taking leads from sellers so you get over the analysis paralysis you really get out of your own way out of your own head and stop overthinking it okay i gave you guys huge nuggets if you don't recall by now we already talked about having a lead sheet and the power in that how to what information to include on your lead sheets how to print them out and keep them everywhere you go so you stay ready and don't have to get ready when your phone rings, how to have a company description, like a a short pitch that you give when someone actually calls you so you don't sound like you don't know what you're doing or this is your first rodeo, okay? And how we're able to capitalize and pull these numbers is by practice, repetition, and an experience and systems and teams at the core of it all. Okay, so how do you do that? How are you able to create $92,000 on average or less even? Okay, even if you did half of that and you got half of the results I'm talking about, even a third of that, that's still anywhere from 20 to 40 grand in a month with less than 30 days and less than $30 of capital invested in one campaign. Okay, so Again, the best way to practice, honestly, is to really print up a few of those lead sheets that I'm talking about after you create them and then find somebody that's even in your family or your friend to really do these mock calls with where you're on one end of the phone acting as the investor and you're role playing and you're filling out the lead sheet as you go. So you're gonna practice everything from maybe using and creating a company description script, something that's quick, 30 seconds or less of who you are, what you do and how you operate to really describe your company to a prospect when they call you, and then how to transition into taking this lead. Okay, this should be maybe about a 15 to 20 minute exercise when you're new, but as you actually get quicker with these types of calls and taking leads, they're going to be maybe 10 to 15 minute calls if you're asking every question on your lead sheet. Okay, and again, it's a one page sheet, so it should take you 10 to 15 minutes if you're more seasoned already, or once you get familiar after doing this for even your first 30 days. Um, Otherwise, when you're brand new and you're just starting out and getting the flow and hang of using a lead sheet, it should take you about 15 to 20 minutes. That's how you can kind of chart your progress to know if you're on the right track. But remember, I don't always ask every single question that's on my lead sheet. And sometimes the seller provides the information even before I get to the question. But the reason we have all of these blanks in our, our lead sheets is in case the seller tells us something and we want to note it and fill it out. We need space to be able to record that conversation in real time, okay? So once again, when it comes to practicing, the best way to do it is, you know, so I I can recommend something actionable for you guys is that you practice at least two seller calls. Two seller calls. That means pick up the phone, call two people off of Craigslist or do mock calls and use two family members, friends, spouses, whatever, teammates, if you have them already, someone in your office or in your realtor's um, agency to really practice with, okay? Because I want you guys to get familiar and comfortable with using a lead sheet for incoming calls to handle from sellers. And that's because that's what we've used and I've used personally for the last 10 years when prospecting for sell by owners, pre foreclosures, probate, free and clear leads, any type of lead, you name it. We have a lead sheet for that, that we use even to this day, myself included. 
Okay. And that doesn't mean that the, the leads come from just one source. We might find them on Craigslist or when we're doing outbound prospecting to cold calling leads. So not to agents because we do have a different sheet for agents, but when we're doing outbound prospecting directly to sellers who might be advertising their property for sell by owner, then I will use the exact same sheet that I would use if they were a probate or free and clear lead. Okay, so in essence, you guys, like you want to get very comfortable having gone through it so that I think maybe two run throughs is really going to make you feel a lot more comfortable and confident from start to finish before you start taking those incoming seller calls. Okay, you want to have two solid run throughs and practices from start to finish. And if you don't have time to do that, that's no big deal. Okay, no big deal. It's your future, your finances and your 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 path. Okay, but you're going to get your practice on the fly, essentially, if you're not practicing role playing and scripting this out before your feet hits the floor running or before, you know, you're put to the test when someone calls you like I did while driving and you have to pull over and take that call. So I would advocate that you actually take an hour, sit down with somebody and do two run throughs. OK, have them just pretend to be the seller and get comfortable filling out the sheet as you're taking the lead yourself. And that is a very good way to practice taking leads and putting together even a very basic system before you can invest into one that may be more sophisticated or more kind of automated even, you really can use this method now. It's not something you have to learn. I am giving it to you. So if you need to go back and listen to it, take notes on it this time, listen to it even a second or third time, I highly and strongly encourage and recommend that you guys do this because it will really pay itself over tenfold. And that, my friends, is what you want. You want your efforts to be profitable. Not every opportunity will present itself when you want it to. Not every one of those 20 leads or even half of them are gonna be deals. That would be a bad expectation to actually set for yourself because it is at the end of the day, a numbers game, okay? So on that note, I really want you all to get out there into the marketplace. I really, really, really want you guys to practice what you learn here on this episode and show that I preach about and teach about with gathering and collecting this type of information from sellers, which are truly the only way to invest in real estate when you're getting started so that it is also 100% recession-proof doing these creative financing deals, taking leads, qualifying and evaluating and grading them, having a systemized process, being comfortable and developing your confidence through practice, repetition and repeat. If that's something you want me to help you with, I'm even happy for you to reach out to me and practice. Okay, but at the very least, if you do nothing else, I hope you really understand even now better and clearer than you did maybe an hour ago on a very high level overview of the main points that I gave you today in this episode with really my hope being that it adds value to you, your life and your business so that it can fuel your future, help you create your impact and really leave a legacy to build wealth and not just wealth for today or tomorrow, but generational wealth. 
Okay, because at the end of the day, that should be a goal that we all strive to build and create the own version of it, if you will, for ourselves. And knowledge is a process of really just piling up facts. Wisdom, though, lies in their simplification. So don't overdo it. Just kiss it. Keep it simple, sweetie. Okay, now you guys leave me a comment down below. Let me know what your thoughts are on this episode, your aha moments, your main takeaways or anything at all that you wanna share. If I can help you in any way, let me know what the biggest thing is that you're struggling with and how I can be of help. I am here for that, okay? So like, share, subscribe to my channel if you haven't already. Have a great day. Plan for a prosperous tomorrow. Learning and continuing to educate yourself, but more so spend 50% of your time doing that and the other percent of the time taking action, okay? If you need help deciding on just one main thing to focus on, let it be creating your lead sheet if you don't have one or updating one if you do have one, creating that lead sheet and practicing it. Number two, creating that company description and practicing it at least two times with two different people, okay? That's what I want you guys to do. And let me know how it goes. Find my contact information in the description below or leave me a message, reach out, let me know. I wanna know how that's going for you guys. So that's where you can find me. Um, You can also find me in the free Facebook group that I have, Investor Queen, and I encourage you to join that also. So that's all I'm gonna leave you guys with. Go ahead and implement it, share. Like I said, like, share, subscribe to my channel and to this podcast and stay tuned for the next episode of The Realty Talks with Taiyi and keep getting inspired by how I just told you and showed you and broke it down for you how you can create $92,000 on average or less, even half of those results in one month from one campaign in less than 30 days with less than $30 as an initial investment in a campaign to fuel your future. Okay, so sign up, get notified instantly when there's new episodes that are published so you can stay ahead of the game and always, always up to date with new and improved information that you can implement and execute immediately to apply for you so that it's applicable, okay? Now, until next time, you guys stay happy, stay healthy, and remember, build wealth. Are you interested in learning more about how you can apply these same principles and strategies to create or enhance your existing real estate investing business as well? Well, register now for the free webinar training at bit.ly slash creative financing webinar. That's bit.ly slash creative financing webinar for more tips, tricks, and support along that path so that you can learn the process and prosper. Until then, tune in to the next episode.